listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. news. I think everybody knows what I'm about to say. Um, I'm sure that uh, you remember um, what's taking place on Wednesday. This has been a quick week. Shout out to uh, Shane Jeraminski. Shout out to Dr. Bled Tanoe. You guys are amazing. I want to give you a round of applause. Um, just hurrah, hurrah on, on pushing informing the very first pharmacy union at this level which is going to be national uh the ima health launches campaign and it's um it's it's gonna change some things it's gonna it's gonna be a, a major shift in um in what careers are like for our chain uh pharmacists working at our national chains and i want to read something to you uh this is from the pharmacy guild founding statement and this is from uh shane and team and ima and um a lot of the uh people that are behind the scenes i just gonna i'm gonna read a part of this to you and this is a, a shout out to all you pharmacists and technicians out there listening right now we stand at a critical moment in the history of the pharmacy profession in recent days, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians at corporate chain retail giants have staged unprecedented walkouts to protest unsafe staffing levels and dangerously work high workloads. These are not new problems. They have been uh, intensified exponentially due to the rampant corporate greed and consolidation, as well as the increased workload and job responsibilities during COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic. It goes on. We're going to actually, they're going to publish this. So um, I'm not going to read the uh, whole thing verbatim. Um, but basically, uh, the accidental pharmacist, uh, uh, Shane Jeraminski, um, the one and only Bled Tanoe, uh, Pizza is Not Working founding, uh, and a bunch of other pharmacy professionals, uh, as well as some organizations. 120,000 followers uh, for the accidental pharmacist through social media. It's just incredible. Through this grassroots effort, they are putting together to ensure uh, safe patient care, representation, and collective bargaining for pharmacy professionals in workplaces across the country, legislative and regulatory action to protect patients and to advance standards of professional practice. Uh, this is seriously exciting. This is historical. As long as I've been in the pharmacy uh, sector, uh, nothing like this has happened at this level of intensity, and we're going to be watching it very closely. But a shout out to every pharmacist, every technician listening. If you want connections or you want to get involved or you want to reach out to uh, some of the legislators that we're already talking with, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to Pharmacy Podcast Network or uh, look up these wonderful people on LinkedIn. All right. Today's um, show is about kindness. It's about how does kindness impact our lives and in, in associating with each other as professionals. 
and what we do. And I will be the first to admit that I am not always as kind as I should be, especially when I'm looking at specific situations and some of the um, the competitiveness of being in publishing. So um, I'm never going to say, I'm not going to say something on this show uh, from a hypocritical perspective. I need to be more kind. The two people that I have on as guests today are nothing but beacons of kindness from a wisdom perspective, uh, from their own experiences and understanding how they are impacting the world around them. And I can't wait for you to hear uh, this interview coming up. Um, stay tuned. Please uh, hold on till the end of the show because I also have a special announcement to make. And with that, our first part of the interview. Hey, and on this week in pharmacy, I have a surprise for my listeners. Um, we interview a tremendous amount of pharmacists. Why? Well, it's the Pharmacy Podcast Network. That's what we do. We love pharmacists, our favorite providers. We also listen um, with and collaborate with a lot of physicians. We've been doing a ton of oncology. A shout out to PTCE Pharmacy Connect for all of your content. Thank you so much for what you do for our listeners, our pharmacists and technicians out there. We know what pharmacists are going through right now. Uh, this Week in Pharmacy has been covering much of what's been happening at the chain pharmacies and some of the walkouts that are taking out that taking place na uh, nationally. And I ran into and was blessed by a PR agency that reached out and said, how would you like to interview the one and only uh, Adrian Bankert, um, who is the author of um, and is, is affiliated with ABC News and Good Morning America, the author of Your Hidden Superpower. And when I read about Adrienne, I recognized her. And when I read about her book, I'm like, this fits in our world right now based on what pharmacists are going through. So Adrienne, welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. Thank you, Todd. I love the name of your podcast, by the way. It's very cool. Congratulations on all your success. Oh, you were very, very sweet. Thank you very much. And thank you for being here. So there was a published journal article that came out in late 2020, and it was titled, If Kindness Were a Drug, the FDA Would Approve It. And it went into, and I'm going to quote this, it says, ultimately, the secret of quality is love, declared Avius Darren Bellinen, and a pioneer in system thinking. And they went on to say, how few healthcare um, would be not would not be disputed if the compassion was part of care and what we consider good practice of medicine. And most that provide um, that kind of motivation who act uh, kindly towards patients, but they're also their colleagues. What a difference that makes in care. This plays right back into your book, um, Your Hidden Superpower and the Power of Kindness. And I, I just want to open up and start off with a, a, a your background, and then also, what what inspired you to write this book? So I've been a journalist for the better part of my entire adult life. Um, <laughs> I started out as a children's TV host in LA, uh, working for a PBS uh, network, and then I knew I had to get into news. Um, after praying really hard about how to get into TV and, and stay there and have a full time job. I actually ended up in my hometown of the Sacramento area and on the number one station there. And I was the traffic anchor. You know, I told you what accidents were on the road or, you know, whether there was construction that was going to slow you down getting to work. But I told my bosses like, hey, you might as well train me. I'm going to be an anchor one day very soon. So 
I ended up becoming an anchor there. Then I moved to Dallas, Fort Worth, was an anchor in that market. But my dream was to be on national TV. Uh, had a job in uh, LA offered to me. And the general manager was a bit skeptical about whether I was experienced enough or not, because the job was not going to be an anchor job. It was going to be a correspondent or reporter position. I had to write a lot of everything. Uh, I had to know how to be, you know, nimble on the fly, get on the road uh, with a crew all day long. And the woman who referred me to her told that GM, you need to hire Adrian Bankert. I've never heard her say a bad word about anybody. And when she called me up, uh, she said, listen, she said, I, I can teach you how to be a better writer. I can teach you uh, how to report, but I cannot teach nice. And, and what she really meant is we need more kind people uh, in the media business. And so it was an interesting journey from there. Just within a few short months, I was offered a national um, correspondent role at ABC News. Long story short, did a lot of entertainment news there. Then uh, during the pandemic, uh, November of 2020, another company outside of ABC News Nation uh, had, they just launched their network uh, a year before. They wanted to do news that was straight down the middle, not vilifying anybody. And, you know, everybody who knew me was like, oh, you were made for this. Um, you know, no bias, uh, not yelling at each other on cable news, um, not not being partisan. So it was a it was a great position. I took the job. They were going to build a morning show and asked me to be a part of that build. And so that was in uh, April of 2021. In the middle of all that, I wrote a book, as you mentioned, called Your Hidden Superpower. And uh, that was, you know, really a labor of love because I was writing it while I was on planes and in hotel rooms, often in other countries. But it was my mentor who told me, you know, you have a different perspective on kindness and how it works in the business. And I got to tell you, I had no idea uh, the kindness that you need. I, you know, when I wrote the book, I thought I, I had some sense of it, but just having written the book and having gone through the past few years, I realized how much more we need to learn about kindness. So um, yeah, that's kind of like bringing me to the present day. That's a very special. Um, what a time that we're in, in even our own profession and how, impactful the pandemic was to our caregivers to our mm -hmm. physicians and our in our in our nurses and of course our pharmacists and it really took a it took the wind out of everybody and they had to reset so now we're in a in a realm where there's lots of pressures at a national level on pharmacists on our technicians um, and then how the public is um, so quick to be nasty to people that are serving them i i think of fast food workers. I think of attendance at gas stations. I think of people at, um, at stores at Walmart or something that are, are there to do a job and they don't realize that they're targets for the public's anger or the public's frustration or something. And this book digs down into what's it mean to truly be kind in comparison to, um, to the world that is so fast paced and, and we can be so nasty to each other. And I love the fact that a network that was trying to get back to the to the middle of of mm -hmm. telling news and doing it through a way with lots of respect and the way that I remember things when I was younger. I don't like to sound like an old fogey and you know, uh, but I remember when when news was um I don't know what the word is, if it was just it was a it was it was more 
relatable decent. to each other. It was decent. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. And so this this book, this plays into what pharmacists are from the public, what they experience in one sector of many. There are about eight sectors of pharmacy. The one that the public is most aware of is our retail uh, environments, our retail chains, the the Walgreens, the CVSs of the world, or your privately owned pharmacy that you go to. But then there's all these other sectors that are health system and hospitals and taking care of seniors and taking care of people in institutions. So when when I think of the element of kindness, it can it can sprout and grow to any sector of really any facet of healthcare and what that means to a pharmacist being respectful to a physician and a, and a physician paying kindness and, and care to a to a nurse and so on and so forth. And then how does that spill out to the patient who needs this care? So from your from your concept and from the concept in the 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 element of what is um, your hidden superpower, kind of describe to our listeners um, the stage of this of this book and and what it means to a grander reach um, to the people that need them most. So no matter what field you're in, you've noticed drastic changes over the past few years. I mean, whether there have been policy changes, uh, cultural changes, schedule changes intense burnout, which I've been reporting on in the medical industry for years myself, um, basically starting around the time of 2020, uh, where nurses are saying this was all going to come to a head. Um, I have no doubt that pharmacists are, are dealing with the same issues and, and people making more demands on their employers, but also employers making more demands of their employees. And, and oftentimes hiring people who don't mix. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, you have people who've been in the business and, and, and again, without kindness, um, for a long, long time, mixing with people who don't have as much experience, but very little onboarding a lot of times in our industries. So you have this sometimes a generational gap or a cultural gap. And it, it's, it's really up to all of us to get along, but there's no playbook. There's no policy book. There's no um, system of things. And, and I think there's a lot of pressure on corporations and healthcare companies in particular because you're dealing with a client base that's already in a lot of pain, um, pain physically, pain mentally, pain in terms of just the suffering that people are going through. So you have this perfect storm for stress and pressure, and it's weighing on everybody. And the one thing that I've learned from just being in journalism is you have these tiny little moments, maybe a few seconds or a couple of minutes to perform, so to speak, when it's really not about a performance, it's about bringing who you are. And then you get to put that aside and kind of take a deep breath or walk away. Somebody in the healthcare industry might have that moment with a, a, a client, with a customer, but there's no place to walk away. <laughs> You've got to get right back to the job at hand. And for me, I mean, I went from being on TV a couple of minutes, a, a show to four hours of live TV. And just that alone, I mean, the amount of pressure, it, it's, it's not that you are afraid of being yourself. It's that you know that being yourself requires a lot of EQ, emotional quotient. And I think that for those who are listening, I mean, if you don't tap into the superpower of remembering who you are in spite of how crazy the world is, then you're going to join them. And that means the people who are just having a really hard time. And uh, when I wrote the book, my whole intention was how to kind of keep yourself 
And as my friend Emily likes to say, your bubble of protection when things are just crashing all around you. Because the world has a shortage of people who can think straight. Um, a lot, lot of people are using other things. Maybe it's a vice. Maybe it's prescription drugs. Maybe it's just doom scrolling on social media to try to numb themselves from how much change we're going through. And if we're not kind to ourselves, taking care of ourselves, that might mean a massage every month. That might mean, you know, a mani-pedi. Um, that might mean talking it out with a therapist, just having time with your friends and your family, then you're not going to be able to take care of other people. And so I would say every single one of us has to do a checkup from the neck up constantly. Like, am I giving myself enough room to breathe? Am I giving myself that kindness so that I can actually give kindness to other people? So how did this book um, change you? Um, I've heard people who said when they've written something and there's so much passion that goes into it, but then when it's, once, it out, once it's out, there's more realization, there's more inspiration that comes from it. So talk to us about how this impacted you as well. I've needed the book as much as anybody else because all of us have our kindness tested. The, the sweetest people, I've met people who I would say, oh my gosh, you should have written a book on kindness. You're so sweet. And I found that even the sweetest people are tested right now. So for me, it's about a lot of grace for yourself. It's, a lot of, it's about a lot of forgiveness. Um, in reading my own book, every time I read my book, I'm thinking, man, this is so good. Like I needed to read this today <laughs> oh, because it's nonstop. The, the, the pressure that we're going through, it's not going to get any less pressurized. It's not going to get any less stressful. So how do we enjoy our life? For me, it's continuously drawing me back to that North Star of, am I making kindness intentional? Am I creating more muscle memory for kindness where it's my first reaction, not my last resort? You know, am I being kind enough to myself? I, I just booked some plane tickets and I got the bigger seats because I thought I'm on a plane and I have to you know, go from the show, four hours of live TV to, to land and start working. As soon as I do that, I want to sleep. You know, I don't want somebody kicking the back of my seat every time. That's my way of thinking of myself. I'm not doing it to say, oh, I must have this seat. I'm doing it because I need to take care of my body and be rested when I land and get there. So I would ask anybody listening, are you doing what it takes? I mean, because for me, when I wrote the book, I didn't have any idea the answers to some of the questions that I, I finally came to some conclusion about. I had no idea. And I thought, okay, I don't know the answer, but if I start answering it for other people, then I'm automatically going to get the answer myself. And it has led to so many aha moments in my life. I have to keep listening to the book almost like a, uh, I don't know what you call it. Like when you, you, you have kids, you don't have like a to-do list or you don't have a workbook for that. Um, you don't have a workbook for kindness. People say be kind all the time, but how do you do that? And I feel like my book actually does give some practical advice and wisdom for that. That is special. Inside this article that I referenced at the beginning of our interview, if kindness were a drug, the FDA would approve it. This um, general um, journal of general internal medicine, it's referenced and says the evidence is surprisingly strong. Patients who perceive their doctor as empathetic, empathy is disguised uh, from kindness or compassion in that it is an attitude rather than an action, have better outcomes. Like that in and of itself. So two patients receive the same treatment. One of them is received from a blasé, nonchalant physician who's tired, 
who doesn't really give any kind of kindness or hug or smile or extra time, very transactional. And the other is very empathetic, looks people in the eyes, possibly like a shoulder touch just to let them know that I'm connecting with you as a human being. Those patients are having a better outcome of something that is physiological, something that is uh, pharmacological, that has a substance to it, but you're you're combining that substance with just an attitude of kindness in delivery of that. And that that's just so powerful. That plays right into what your book is all about. Yeah, I think I reference uh, that we notice kindness everywhere. You know, if somebody's kind and talented, we notice. If somebody is serving, serving us at a, a hotel and they're kind, we notice it as opposed to just good customer service. If there's a doctor who's treating us well, uh, but is kind, that makes a difference. And, and for me, um, it is like medicine, but we, we teach it in such an elemental way and think, oh, kids, they'll grow up and they'll become kind because they were taught to be kind in kindergarten. But we always need to be reminded of what kindness looks like and let that vision for kindness mature and grow as we get older, because we can always maximize our understanding of kindness. But absolutely. It's like kindness is the sugar that helps the medicine go down. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I- the sugar that helps the medicine go down. And that's, that's so true um, in so many ways in delivering uh, maybe the news that is going to be, you know, earth shattering to a couple about um, becoming pregnant or um, an outcome or some kind of news. And if it's delivered with uh, sincere sincerity and with kindness, it's all the difference in, in getting such news. Um, I'm wondering, you think of what, like we were saying at the beginning, pharmacists are going through so much pressure, especially in the big chain environments who some of them are walking out in order to protest for patient safety and different things that are happening. What do you say to pharmacists right now who are going through um, uh, choices of their own in their careers and understanding, do I even want to stay in the pharmacy because of how stressed and burnout I am? What do you say to those, uh, to those pharmacists? I always say, no matter what job you're in uh, and, and considering the future, go with peace. You know, if, if anger and if frustration are driving you or pushing you out, that's a time to pause because once you release that anger, I'm not saying that you don't have a right to be angry, but once you just pause, put the anger on a shelf and quiet yourself to hear what you really want. I mean, I, I really think that a lot of people don't have a sense of what they really want. It's just that they're being driven by their emotions. It doesn't delegitimize your emotion. But I've learned that when I'm upset and I'm angry, I'm not thinking as clearly. When I'm frustrated and fatigued, I'm definitely not thinking clearly. And uh, that quiet time is so important. I say that kindness gives you a sixth sense to know what to do with people. And so you need to have a sixth sense for your own life and be able to listen to that little voice inside. So if you are considering changing careers, if you are considering walking out, just wait, just pause, take quiet time, turn off your electronics. Don't call a friend. Don't call a priest. Don't call a rabbi. Just be quiet. That's the first thing you need to do because if you don't have the voice inside of you settled, then any decision you make, you might second guess after the emotion leaves. That is wonderful. Adrian, Adrian, we, so much appreciate you uh, making this time for our pharmacist listeners and our technicians that are out there. Um, greatly appreciated that you were able to come on this week in pharmacy. And I hope that you are a fan of pharmacists now. Give a, a hug to a pharmacist that's out there. <laughs> you come 
hugs. And um, but thank you so much. I'm very grateful. They don't let you hug as much anymore, but I definitely am. I'm always recognizing the ones who've helped me time and time again and say hello and try to call them by name because I know that's always a compliment when you say somebody's name. But thank you so much, Todd. You were just a pleasure. You are absolutely welcome. Uh, come back again if you ever have anything that you'd like to talk with our pharmacist directly about. Adrian Bankert, you can find more information at adrianbankert.com. And the name of the book is Your Hidden Superpower. Uh, the kindness that makes you unbeatable at work and connects you with anyone. Uh, Adrian Banker, thank you so much. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, widely known as IPC. Established in 1983, IPC is the nation's largest group purchasing organization owned by Independent Pharmacy. With a mission of maximizing the success of community pharmacists, IPC works to provide members with access to effective programs and services designed to enhance profitability for independent pharmacy. Read more about our mission by checking out our website at IPCRX.com. That's IPCRX.com. Hey, and on this next segment of This Week in Pharmacy, I want to continue, I want to continue the theme of hope, um, being intentional, um, building, um, building kindness. You, you know, you went to school, if you're a pharmacist, if you're a physician, nurse practitioner, you went to school for a long time, um, very expensive. <laughs> and uh, you're probably already, you're probably paying off, may, might still be paying off those student loans, but something that we can all learn. And I think it takes structure. And I think it takes being very purposeful. And I, I have to keep reminding myself that kindness and empathy and understanding is something that is part of healthcare. It's part of, we just got done with a special interview with Adrian Bankert, who you just heard on This Week in Pharmacy. And there was another aspect of us talking about kindness in the realm of, of placebo, placebo medicine, and how if a physician is per perceived, a pharmacist is perceived, providers, if you're perceived as someone that truly cares your treatment for that individual patient is so much more effective based on that whole placebo realm of, of attention about giving additional treatment to someone that might not have anything to do with a prescription or a medication or a procedure. I want to welcome someone that's part of the greater, um, the mothership, as we would say, uh, Finn Partners, which is uh, an organization that Pharmacy Podcast Network is extremely proud to be a part of and how many people, how many mentors that I'm picking up and how many leaders in healthcare communications that are part of Finn Partners. Amy uh, Tuperlik is, is a managing partner and I'm excited to welcome her to This Week in Pharmacy. Hi, Todd. Hey. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to have you. And I was just kicking off. Um, we just got done interviewing Adrian. She's just wonderful. She's just a breath of a fresh air and, and her reach and her poise. And I just, I want to bring you into the conversation of, of kindness because you have a blog that I've um, 
taken a lot of time to read a couple times, and it's called Hope and Intention, Key Components in Overcoming Society's Challenges, and we're going to break into that. But before we do, share with our listeners about you and, and how you got into communications and PR and, and even got involved with, uh, with Finn Partners. Sure. So it, it's a bit of an interesting story, and I, I think your listeners can relate. At some point, you're, you, you change career paths and start to question, you're talking about hope, am I doing something that's meaningful and impactful? Uh, I actually started out in the movie business, in the entertainment industry, oh, and wow. I was a movie publicist for New Line Cinema for over a decade, working on films you may have heard, Lord of the Rings and Elf and Austin Powers. At the same time, my father was the commander of the 77th Regional Readiness Command in Fort Totten, Queens. Uh, New Line was headquartered in, in New York, one of our, our East Coast headquarters. And I was the head of the family readiness group uh, for his command during Iraq and Afghanistan. So on the weekends, I was spending my time volunteering with these brave military families and their loved ones who were being deployed into theater. And, and thank you to any service members and their families who are listening. Thank you. And then going into my office and talking about movie promotions and should we make Austin Powers 4 and you know everything that comes along with, again, the entertainment industry, which we all, I think, can use as a bit of escapism at times. And uh, realized that I, if I knew public relations and I knew how to galvanize people to go see a film on box office weekend and take an interest in a movie, surely I could translate that into activating people around important issues and causes uh, and doing something that was very meaningful because my volunteer time with those brave military families, it's, it's left a long lasting impact. Um, so I switched gears and found Finn Partners, and now I head up our corporate social responsibility and social impact practice here at Finn. That is special to have that background and understanding the movie business. You know, I, I always said through my own creativity, if I could start over, it's always one of those stories. Hey, if I could start over, um, I, I didn't have a lot of guidance when I was younger in creative, um, in the creative world, it was, you know, go to school for something that is tried and true. But if I would go back in time, I would want to have become a director because I love the thought of directing. I love watching when I watch films, I watch things from camera angles. I watch things from how the, the, the transitions are made and Taron Quentin, what's his name? Quentin, oh, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, his mm -hmm. style of dramatic, aggressive filming and 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 how the camera shots are made. So that's what I would have been. So when you started saying that, I immediately started thinking of the film business. Right. It's it's a it's a powerful medium, and I was so privileged to be in that industry for over a decade. And to your point, Todd, you know, take what I learned from a marketing perspective and utilize that to get the word out about um, doing good and impactful programs and initiatives that truly benefit society. 
Well, I'm proud of a blog that you wrote that was, once again, I referenced in the opening. It's called Hope and Intention, Key Components in Overcoming Society's Challenges. And you write this with um, with such sincerity, but you also push a ton of really interesting statistics through it. And um, how you referenced that in the, the 20, in the beginning of our 21st century, the U.S. witnessed a surge in charitable giving and how um, charitable giving has, has, has now taken a downturn. And, and you also go through this entire article about people that are visionary and, and people that can connect with others and the impact to the rest of society based on um, what we consider to be um, being kind and, and slowing things down and paying attention to individuals. But talk to our listeners about the philosophy, which really comes off of of, of Adrian's um, Bankert's interview, which in writing her book about um, about your hidden superhero uh, power, um, but talk talk to us about the creation of this piece. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll set it up with the data. To your point, uh, for the fourth time in only forty years, individual giving is down in the United States, and I think we can all understand why. At the same time, as your listeners well know, companies are are cautious. They're cautious because of recent backlash we've seen around certain social and environmental issues. They're they're cautious because the economy is uh, in a recession or an unrecession or you know however we want to look at it, and so they have to be you know, looking at the, the financial bottom line and looking at how much they're investing in their philanthropic and corporate responsibility programs, you know, as a fiscally responsible organization. And so when you have this convergence of individual giving down and companies being cautious about where and how and when they're spending their money and communicating about that as it relates back to societal good, you you could look at it as a, a hopeless time and situation. Um, but my philosophy and why I do what I do, back to your, your first question, is that as communicators, we can create hope. And we can tell stories of positive impact that companies are having on society, that people are having through their giving, whether it be financial or the time that they spend volunteering, and continue to reinforce the message that we, we have to forge on. We have to continue to invest in solving for society's most pressing problems and every person and every company has a role to play. So when we're in times like this, where it feels like giving is down and not a priority, I I step back and say, you know, even more than ever, we need to double down on this message that change can happen. We we need to focus on hope. Well, it's it's good to hear. And it's interesting that you've been, you gravitated towards like minds. Um, There's, there's so many people on our team that help that helped me and my organization out through through Finn, but also through the type of clients that Finn attracts, <laughs> and um, it's it's interesting to work with uh, 
so many uh, Babson Diagnostics, one of my favorites, because they're going to impact community mm -hmm. pharmacy and how community pharmacies are going to be a point of care testing um, uh, hub where their whole community is going to come in and how their blood testing is going to expand. And um, Assure Care has been on our show several times and talking about how technology and clinical uh, diagnosis and tracking that pharmacists are directly involved in and expanding that. I want to talk to you about pharmacists for a second because they're my favorite providers. Um, I can't help to, I can't help it. I just, I love them. I love the way they think. They're nerdy. I'm a nerdy too. So I, I like that nerd part of it. And they're very data intense. You know, they don't like to make decisions because people's lives are on the line and allergic reactions are on the line and drug, drug interactions and all of that is on the line. So that's the way they think. But during this pandemic, it taught us a lot about the resilience of our pharmacists and pharmacists are going through, especially in our chain, our, our major chains, our, our, our big, you know, Walgreens and CVSs and, and God bless the organizations of what they're going through, both the, the pharmacists, the technicians, the patients, the corporation, nobody likes the, the turmoil that's happening right now, but the resilience that, came out of the pandemic that it was community pharmacies that were stepping up and they were testing and they were following up with um with with the care that people what they were going through if they did get did get covid or maybe it was just the flu it was a it's a crazy time as you can as you remember <laughs> we all remember um and now here we are and the empathy that's necessary to reinvent um what is care what what is and from my perspective, what is pharmacy care? Um, you know, I just got, just got done talking to a team that is focused on point of care. And they said, you know, without the, the, the looking in someone's eye or touching someone's hand or letting them know that it's okay, um, the, 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 the prescription itself, the NDC, the, the components of the medication, it doesn't have as big of an impact um, unless it's surrounded with total care. And part of that care is comes down to our key word on, on our episode today on This Week in Pharmacy, which is kindness. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of want to tap into the way that you feel about that because you and I are very lucky to be associated with a multi-million dollar uh, um, organization that is leading healthcare um, PR, public relations and 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 messaging. I mean, we're very lucky to be a part of, because there's organizations, you know, as well as I do, you, we're not naive. We're, this isn't the first time around the block for us. We know that there's organizations out there that are cutthroat. Yes. Not, not our organization. We're the opposite of that. As you well know, Todd, work hard, play nice, and, and collaboration is key. Uh, so, so to talk hope, and kindness, we, we have to talk impact. And I am, when you look at the stories in the media and what media is covering and the issues that are rising to the top, I am thrilled that there is still a world where media is interested in positive stories that talk about impact and kindness, and to your point, elevate powerful patient stories around care. And that's wonderful to see. 
I, a few, I would say a few years ago, it was tougher for us to place those stories. It felt like maybe the, the human interest piece of, of health was waning a bit. Um, and now I, I, you know, as a practitioner, we've, we've sort of seen this resurgence of interest in telling positive stories uh, yeah. about what's possible. So uh, I'll just give an example from from one of our partners, uh, the Bristol Myers Squibb Foundation, um, you know, had a story, a very powerful story around the first and only oncology clinic in Lesotho um, that there was a lot of interest for and heart because the the patients and the doctors were the centerpiece of this story, as you're talking about. And uh the, the one quote that jumped out at me was, I know we can do it from one of the doctors. And if that's the messaging that we're still able to, uh, to secure and reach and the media are, are going along with us and you know, really have a heart to show this, then, then this is a, a really great moment to communicate from a health perspective. I agree. I agree. There's a, a whole initiative through uh, Purpose and Social Impact, which is um, a, a communications piece, mm-hmm. blog piece that's that's curated by many of, of Finn's network and connections, um, clients, partners, really anyone. As a matter of fact, if you're listening right now to the pharmacy uh, market, the pharmacy profession, if you're a technician, if you're a pharmacist and you have passion to transform our nation, transform this world, and you'd like to write for purpose and social impact, please reach out to me because um, it's a growing um, it's a growing community. It's wonderful to see how it is growing, and we're so proud to be a part of it and to support it, to support the, the publication. Absolutely. And just to underscore the point I made before, Todd, if you've noticed when I say there was a decrease in this human interest stories, many of the broadcast in particular, those heroes of the day or heroes of the week, CNN used to have a segment that was fully focused on social impact stories. They, you know, they disappeared. Um, and so it's, it's really nice to, to see this again, that there is still a lot of heart and interest in human interest and, and talking about what is possible to achieve. Well, I was a competitive swimmer from <laughs> the time I was in second grade on swim team, which would have made me seven or eight, to the time I just entered in college. And then I uh, ruined my own swimming um, uh, initiative by going to a camp down in Florida with a bunch of uh, competitive swimmers. And I was five foot seven. And all of the good swimmers that were hitting the record times were at least six foot. And my um, my arm span to their arm span made me realize <laughs> the reality of becoming a champion swimmer. But um, we all have to deal with reality. <laughs> Before you were a director, a famous Academy Award winning film director. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> so um reason why I mentioned that is I'm finally getting back. I was very athletic. I took uh, this sabbatical from exercise for some reason, shame on me, um, between the ages of 25 and 45. It was a very long break. Um, 
and it was never purposeful exercise. It was kind of like on and off, on and off. And now I'm regimented, like I'm getting up every morning. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is, is Peloton, which I, I use a, um, their tread. It is the best piece of equipment. And this is not, pay, there's no paid sponsorship from Peloton, but you mentioned the, um, the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation in Peloton. Yes. Which, which is part of your article and the, and, and that, that tread with its, its interaction with, um, with content through the internet and, and the way that it, you, it'll take you through hills and it'll, you'll run up hills and it, the incline goes up automatically. Anyway, I just wanted to, to comment that, um, I hope that that, that foundation and Peloton, I hope they do good in 2024 because I want them to continue to put out products like that. Uh, yes. You know, it's very it's very interesting that you mentioned that and and there's two follow-up points one is I was moderating a panel with Regina Bly who has to be one of the most inspiring leaders I have met uh, and we were talking about back to your question about individual giving and disability rights on the list of where people were giving was last you know, following climate and other, again, more pressing issues. So the the challenge is how do you break through because every issue is important and it deserves equal attention. And when you mention that Peloton partnership, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to pair nonprofits with interesting and perhaps what seem unlikely partners to form these very powerful alliances that are going to catch attention and, and have a significant impact at the end of the day. So part of what we're doing here is finding like-minded partners with a kindness mentality who we can bring together and, and create change. It's the conversation we had before about how important collaboration really is. So we're always looking for those unexpected, unlikely partnerships that we can build. A shout out to those partnerships right now. If you're listening and you think you'd like to do a mashup on any of the organizations or working with Finn or working with the Pharmacy Podcast Network or the American Pharmacists Association or one of our new um, initiatives with, um, with several organizations that are like in digital health. I mean, there's so much that we can do um, in collaboration and pull um, providers together to talk about what's really happening in their individual practices, but also the companies that are helping to um, to support them, the the, the right. technology companies, and how social uh, mission and purpose is is so important to us as a society, and really doing what's right. But I'm very proud of the organization um, Fin Partners. I'm proud of your uh, representation, what you're doing, and you believe in it, and I know it comes from your heart. So um, this has been a, a fun Thank interview. You. Thank you. And, and you mentioned kindness, and this is the really what we're talking about today. And I, I, I'm passionate about working with our nonprofits as, you know, they're on the front lines and they need our support. Um, and equally passionate about working with companies because I'll take a little liberty on this, but for me, kindness translated into corporate responsibility is values. And being a values-driven company, um, 
that treats their employees' family, that invests in issues that are important to the people that matter to them, the employees, the consumers, uh, leadership that's ethical. And so, so companies have a, a great role to play. And uh, I'm, I'm equally proud to be shaping those programs and initiatives with our corporate partners who have the, the capabilities to fund these nonprofits. Um, and as we all know, corporate responsibility is, is the right thing to do, but it's also a business decision because people are looking to buy and support companies that they think, and I'll say it for this podcast, Todd, are kind right. and authentic and give back. They, they'll, they'll support it. So it's a strategic business decision, and it's, it's incredibly important from a corporate reputation standpoint as well. Well, I'm glad you said that, and um, I'm equally as excited about the future, and I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy, um, um, and I always look at it that way. By the way, um, today's episode is brought to us by PNSI, Purpose and Social Impact. In the link uh, in our show notes, you can go to medium.com forward slash purpose and social impact. I'll have that link in the show notes, but we'll also share it on social media. How do people link up with you if they're listening today and they want to learn more about Amy and, and network with you? Um, what's your preferred uh, way of, of being connected with? Sure. So I am on LinkedIn. Uh, I would say, please do reach out to me on LinkedIn. Back to what you said, Todd, not one organization, not one company can, can do this alone. So if there's any opportunity to reach out and tell me more about their organization and their mission, and if we can partner up uh, with like-minded companies uh, and, and nonprofits, I just would really love to learn more. Uh, there's, there's just such incredible work going on out there. We could, we could be on this podcast for days <laughs> talking, right. talking about this. Um, but uh, so please do find me on LinkedIn. I, I think if you go to the Finn Partners page, my bio's there and there's probably a link or you can find me, but the, the best is, is, is LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Don't make this their last time. Let's do another collaboration in the future. D don't worry about that. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you listeners for listening to This Week in Pharmacy. Thank you all. All right. Wow. Uh, two back-to-back -back, um, interviews that just were just amazing. Listening to Adrian and Amy and the passion and the, the force that they are and the talents that they brought and how that's accumulative and how look at what you are a part of right now. If you're at a long-term care pharmacy or in a specialty organization, you're in a hospital Think about the impact that you can make just by being kind or being more kind, just like I was saying at the beginning of today's This Week in Pharmacy. Uh, my name is Todd Yuri. I am the host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. If there is anything we could ever do for you um, as listeners, if there are podcasts, if there are topics that we are missing, please let us know. Um, we have uh, several uh, new episodes that came out this week. Please take a look, take take a listen, go to Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just recently, Dr. Katrina Azur, our New Zealand uh, coverage and pharmacist, uh, wrote or, or authored, The Credentials Aren't Everything on PharmaXL. You got to take a listen to that. We are so excited about a new partnership with, um, with NasoCleanse. Their release with Dr. Gail, 
uh, was was amazing. I'm so excited about uh, her insights into uh, not only nasal care and respiratory health, but she is brilliant. She has so many other aspects. So we're going to pick her brain with other things, um, with pharmacists uh, digging into conditions and disease states. Hey, Dr. Sujun um, Jun, Dr. Jun is just amazing. She's a wonderful, kind, leading person. Another kindness piece. If you listen to this, you can hear the kindness in her voice and the love in her voice for what she does and the advocacy for patients and the advocacy for safety. A shout out to Framework Focus, uh, making the switch to LTC with um, Paul Shelton, our special uh, guest there an insights, uh, um, a master of ideas around the expansion of long-term care pharmacy and long-term care pharmacy at home. And that's going to be uh, the future of community pharmacy, a big future of community pharmacy. Opioid stewardship from the Long-Term Care Pharmacy podcast. I love uh, Dr. Tara, uh, Tamara and Dr. Stewart. They're just amazing and they're fun to listen to. Um, Real Value um, was one of our sponsors at the NCPA 2023. That just came out. Take a listen. And a shout out to IPC. That was today's uh, um, today's sponsor of This Week in Pharmacy. But they were also a sponsor of the NCPA 2023. And we were so excited that they got to be a part of that. Hey, what are we missing? Once again, a shout out to all the pharmacists out there that went through the walkouts or are thinking about walking out um, of, of just reformulate, reforming and becoming more powerful as a group of pharmacists and technicians across the nation is important. We hope you have a wonderful week. We can't wait to, uh, to, to talk with you again on This Week in Pharmacy next week. And thank you very much. Music.